It's a pleasure to be here with you today. I uh, resonate with what has been said before, that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And I stand here with fear and a bit of trepidation knowing that and knowing that there's a huge responsibility to bring the word. Um, this sermon actually was given last week uh, by myself and my wife. Uh, so my better half is not here. So I apologize for that in advance. Uh, but uh, we, I am excited to share with you about Christianship, about Christian friendship and what that means uh, to, uh, to cultivate Christian friendship. And the cornerstone verse that we're going to be talking about today is, is uh, found in Proverbs 27:17. And as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And so that's uh, a, a short verse, but there's, it's packed with truth. And we're going to be looking at that verse as it relates to uh, friendships that we have here in the world, in our sphere of influence. I'll be sharing a, a, couple, a, a few examples of, of some of those friendships that uh, our, our, my wife and I and, and my kids and our MC have been able to, to see and to cultivate, um, as well as, as friendships that we see in Scripture. And uh, I, I read a book here recently. Um, it's called True Friendship by Vaughn Roberts. He's a, he's, a, he's a pastor in the United Kingdom. And uh, we were given this by a friend that we have from the United Kingdom. He was just actually with us. Um, it was kind of timely that we were talking about friendships uh, as we were getting ready to, to, uh, to serve and, and last week as, as giving the, the, the sermon. And I just want to read really quickly from this, uh, from this book um, on doing life well. The book of Proverbs might almost be called a treatise of friendship. There is no book, even in classical literature, which so exalts the idea of friendship and is so anxious to have it truly valued and carefully kept. That is because the task of seeking wisdom, which is often so elusive, is a communal project which should not be undertaken on our own life, in our own life. Life is presented in Proverbs as a journey in which we constantly are faced with a choice between two paths— wisdom, and folly. We need good friends who will travel with us, help us discern the right road to take and to spur us on to keep walking down it. Such companions will immeasurably strengthen us as iron sharpens iron, so one, so one man sharpens another. And so as we walk through the sermon today, I want to share with you uh, three different people. That, that we're going to talk about and, and dive into. Number one, to pursue a Timothy. Number two, uh, to be a Barnabas. And number three, to train a Timothy. I'm not sure if we have those slides up, uh, but these are the three people that we're going to be talking about. So first of all, as we get into Paul, so who is Paul? And why do we give him the, 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 the first place here that we should pursue a Paul-like mentor? First of all, Paul, we know this, wasn't always on our side. He was a persecutor of Christians. We know this, that he was complicit in a murder of Stephen. And you can read about that in Acts. His name was Saul back then, and he wasn't always good to Christians. In fact, he had plans to go and murder more Christians in modern-day Syria, Damascus. And on that road, he was, he was dramatically transformed by Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus said, Saul, 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 why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting us? Was the message. 
And so from that point forward, for the next 14 years or so, Paul was transformed. Paul was transformed into Christ. And we know this, that, that later Paul became a missionary to the non-Jewish people of that time. We call those Gentiles. Many of us in this room are Gentiles. And it's because we don't have the Jewish race within us. But Paul went out into the nations, into modern-day Turkey. We call that uh, the, the Asia Minor in, in biblical times, in Greece, uh, in, in, throughout the Mediterranean Sea. And, and Paul gave the good news of Christ. And, he, sa- and he, he planted churches. He brought many people to, himself, to, to Christ. And uh, so Paul, for all of these reasons, we give him the right to become that godly mentor that we should pursue. So some things to look for, and I think we have this up on the next slide, some things to look for. Number one, uh, Paul had experience. We can see here Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Now, why is it that, that advisors uh, have the opportunity to, to share wisdom? It's most likely because of the experience they've had. Think of the experience that Paul had in his life. He made a lot of mistakes, and, uh, and we, we've made lots of mistakes and there are Pauls out there. There are mentors, godly mentors. When we say Paul, we're talking about a godly mentor. And that experience is what we can tap into when we're looking for a Paul. We can see him uh, set off in journeys and, and, and making sometimes mistakes. And, and there, were, there were bad things that happened to Paul. But he always stood up. And he always went back into the race. He talked about the race several times. And because of that, because of that pursuit of Christ... That experience that he had, we can look to Paul and see that this experience is something that we should be chasing after. Somebody pouring into our lives. Number two, look for someone who's humble, transparent, and honest. We can read here in Proverbs uh, 28, 13. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. This is what Paul did. Paul did this in his life. Think about some of, the, some of the times that you've read maybe Paul in some of his epistles. Those are letters to the early church and to individuals like Timothy, Titus, Philemon. And he lists in a couple of places this big, long resume. He says that I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I have this education. I have this credential. On and on and on and on again. And then if you were to stop right there and just ask, in fact, if Paul were here in the flesh and we were interviewing him and he was telling that story, we'd probably scratch our head and say, gosh, you're kind of full of yourself a little bit. You're, you, you, there's a lot of ego here. Paul, what's going on? And this is what he says every single time after he gives his resume. I count it all as rubbish compared to the glorious riches of Jesus Christ. That's how humble he was. So that's the kind of humility, transparency, vulnerability that we should be looking for as we pursue a Paul. I'm just curious by a show of hands, think about this for a second. How many of you have a godly mentor, somebody that's pouring into you? Raise your hands, I'm curious. All right, it's good. Good number of you. Our hope is that you would be able, we would be able to see in the future more hands go up in the air. And by this message, I hope that, that we're going to be able to start cultivating a deeper relationship with one another in the church and with one another, with people, with people outside of the church. I think of Inglewood. There's actually a, 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 a child. I shouldn't even say he's a child. He was a child when we, he came into our lives. 
and uh, his, his name's Omarie. Uh, Phil knows him and his wife, and he lives in Eaglewood. And we know him through safe families, and it's just a, an amazing story of, 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 of grace and God's forgiveness. And uh, we, were, we were able to be uh, that Paul to, to Amarie. And, and my hope is, is I was, as I was listening to, to the prayer this morning about Inglewood, is that, is that you would pursue Paul's so that you too can be a Paul later on. We'll talk more about that when we get to Timothy. But that's the idea, is this cultivation of, of relationships. And so that, that when we pursue a Paul, we can't just take all that information and, 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 and live as though we are not supposed to share that. So why should we pursue a Paul? Why should we pursue a Paul? Let's, let's get into some of the things that we look here about Proverbs uh, twelve twenty six that Paul was a truth teller and he was also a caring teacher. He was a truth teller and a caring teacher, one who is righteous as a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Paul was that person who was given that righteousness by Christ. We looked at several times where, where Paul was not afraid to go toe-to-toe with people like Peter, people like some of the disciples, even Barnabas himself. And, 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 and Paul was not afraid to give the truth, but he also did it in a caring way. So when you pursue a Paul, one of the reasons we should pursue a Paul is that we all need truth in our lives. We all need that truth, but we also need it to be done in a caring way. We are fragile beings. Would you agree with that? There are times when I wake up and I think, I think to myself, man, I, I, I am very fragile. I, uh, life is fragile. And, 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 and my emotions and the things that, that I'm going through, I have three teenagers in my house right now. Things can be pretty fragile right now. And, 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 and some of you know uh, my oldest teenager, Madeline, who, who sometimes does worship here uh, downtown. Um, uh, those years are fragile. We need that Paul-like relationship. We need that godly mentor pouring into our lives. That's why we need a Paul. Another reason we need a Paul is uh, to, to, to see the sold-out-like uh, uh, characteristic or, or character of Paul. Let's think about this for a second. Um, Paul was—and I don't know if you've ever been persecuted. Anybody ever been persecuted in here? I've been persecuted. I've been persecuted verbally, right? And Paul was per- also persecuted verbally as well. But Paul was persecuted physically. We read that in Acts. We see where he was beaten— where, where, where he, he was left for dead several times after, after uh, an attempted murder on his life. Not once, twice. I think there were three times. There was one time where Paul actually got up after a stoning underneath the rocks. He, he dusted himself off, and he went right back into town to tell them about Christ. I don't know about you, but I, I think I probably would have gone the other way. He was sold out. He was a sold-out person for Christ. That's the kind of person that we need to be looking for as a Paul. One of the, the other reasons I think we need to, uh, to, to, to pursue a Paul is uh, there, there's a story in the Old Testament. And I tried to get my wife to name, um, name one of our kids this. Uh, it's probably, probably my favorite name in all the Bible, Jethro. Right. Now, who was Jethro? Jethro was, um, the, hopefully no one's named Jethro in here, all right? Maybe hopefully I didn't offend you. Um, but I like your name if that's your name. 
But Jethro shows up, uh, the Israelites are wandering through the wilderness, and Moses is working from sunup to sundown. He's judging people, and Jethro shows up probably, and it doesn't say this, but I get the hunch that he's, he's there to see his grandkids. He's not like part of the pack. And he shows up out of nowhere. He's probably there to see his grandkids, there to see his daughter. He, he's probably looking forward to, to, to dinner, maybe the equivalent of Thanksgiving dinner at that time. And they all sit down, and where's Moses? Moses isn't there. Why? Because Moses is working. Moses has all these cases to judge. He has all these leaders to train. He has all these things to do as a leader, and he's, he's, he's working himself to death. And so let's, let's fast forward. If Jethro and Moses were here today, it would probably sound something like a good corporate feedback, uh, feedback session. Okay? Jethro probably told Moses something like this, and we can read that in Exodus, where Jethro says, Moses, it is not good what you are doing. In other words, the feedback was, if you don't delegate, you will burn out. Moses, mighty Moses, Moses, one of the greatest characters in all of Scripture, was weak at that moment and needed somebody to, to, to pour into his life. That's why we need a Paul. We need a Paul-like mentor, or, or, you, or you can say we need a Jethro-like mentor in our lives to pour in. Why? Because there are going to be times when we're weak and we need it. And there's no other example uh, than, than Christ himself. When we think of a godly mentor, think of three years and all of, all of the mess-ups that, that, that the disciples uh, w- w- committed. I think of Peter. I often resonate with Peter. Uh, Peter was kind of a uh, shoot, ready, aim kind of a guy. And I resonate with that. We also need a, a, a Paul-like mentor who's patient, like Jesus was to him who did restore him, who loved him, who was, who was there to tell the truth and who was there to do it in a caring way all in one person. And we see that in John 21 when Peter was restored. That's who Christ was. So we need to pursue a, a, a godly-like mentor. Let's go to the next slide. I want to share just really quickly, fast forward, um, to what, what that looks like in our lives, lives today. And some of, you, some of you, and I know Phil uh, knows this couple. If we could go to the next slide, please. Um, Robin and I, I think there's a picture in there. No picture. Never mind. Well, I'll, I'm going to tell you. Hey, let's go ahead and go back to the previous slide. Now you're giving my notes away. Uh, no, go, go, go to the uh, two, two previous. Sorry. Go ahead and go back. It, that's, that slide must not have made it in. There's a, there's a couple by the name of uh, Gary and Carol. And uh, Phil, uh, Phil and Francis. That Francois know, knows uh, this couple. When my wife and I were, uh, we were first married, we really didn't know what we didn't know about marriage, about life, and about a lot of different things, especially parenting. Um, uh, Gary was uh, a, a, and still is a mentor of mine. He's somebody that's poured into my life. Um, Gary and, and, and Carol were the kind of couple that when they had some sort of, a, of an event. They, they, they led our small group, our young marrieds group, uh, at a church in Greenwood. And when, when they uh, opened up their house, like everybody just flocked in because there was so much wisdom just oozing out of their pores that we all wanted to learn so much from them. And they poured into our lives. They were able to, 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 um, to tell the truth, but do it in a, do it in a caring way. And, and, and for me, Gary was there in the thick and the thin. I remember there was one time, um, 17 years ago, that uh, uh, my wife, who also looked to 
Carol as, as, as sort of a, a topical mentor as well on, on health. And my wife was very pregnant with our first. And uh, all of a sudden, high blood pressure comes, hypertension. And we had an emergency uh, delivery. And so I'm there in the, in, in the hospital room. Uh, and this was back in the days when, when you had to text. Like, there were three letters on each one of the keys. You remember what that was like? And so I really didn't bother with that. I was really focused in on, on Robin and, and, uh, and Maddie, who was born that day, May 21st, 2001. And it was in the evening of that day that um, things got worse, where the doctors came in and said, there's a serious problem with her lungs. Um, we're going to have to ambulance her to Community North. And the more I dug into the information as to why are we doing this? Why are we having to do this? Like, what's wrong? And Robin asking me, is everything going to be okay? There was just so much weight on my shoulders. I'll never forget just this, um, this overwhelming sense that if, if somebody doesn't show up or if something doesn't happen quickly, I feel like I'm just going to crumble to my knees. And I was there for Robin, and, and I watched Maddie be ambulanced off, and I, did, I didn't know which way to go. Was I supposed to stay with Robin, who was still in pretty serious condition, or go with Madeline? I had no idea. And then, right then, walked Gary and Carol. And his, his, his arms were just like this. And I, and, and I get tears in my eyes just thinking about it. And, 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 and it, was, it was as if Christ had just shown up. I remember falling in his arms and weeping like a baby. This was who Gary was and still is to me. Are you pursuing a Paul-like relationship? I know in my life I have needed it more times than I can count. And that's one time, just one time of dozens, where I needed that, that, <clears throat> that relationship in my life. When I talked about topical mentors, I also talked about, uh, we also talk, uh, and, and my wife and I uh, created this, this message together. She, she, she wasn't able to be here, but she said, be sure to tell the group this. Tell Soma Downtown this, that sometimes we need topical mentors. And after Maddie was, was uh, she went through that NICU, uh, she, she was in the NICU for 16 days, uh, miraculously, she came through. I actually asked the doctor afterwards, what, what was the prognosis? Like, what, were, what would you give the percentage of her survival? And it was, it was less than 50%. <clears throat> I'm glad he didn't tell me that up front. But Maddie got better. And Robin didn't know what she was doing as a, as a new mom. And so there was, a, there was a lady that also had a baby that same year and, uh, uh, in our church. And her name's Amy. And her son is Isaac, and they're, they're, they're just a few months apart. The thing is, Isaac was the fifth in the family. Maddie was the first. And so Amy had all kinds of advice to give to Robin. Um, and, and so Robin thought to herself, well, there's a couple of things I could do. I could, I could maybe invite her to Starbucks, and I could pick her brain. Uh, but, hmm, she has five kids, and going to Starbucks with four other kids and her infant baby and my infant baby, I don't know if that's going to—I would, pro- would probably enjoy that, but I'm not sure if Amy would. So what did Robin do? She decided to actually go and do life with Amy. She, she would sit uh, in the kitchen uh, with Amy and chop vegetables as Amy prepared this big meal for her big family. Uh, she would sit on the couch next to Amy and, and fold clothes. She would join Amy where Amy was. And so how do we pursue a Paul-like friendship? How do we pursue that Paul-like mentorship? You join them where they are. 
And that's the practical way to do it. And I think that that's also um, the other, uh, think, thinking of others is, is, is key here. That, that sometimes our Paul-like mentors around us, just they, they simply don't have the time to, to spend three hours with you at a coffee shop. They do have a life, but they do want to give. So meet them where they are. And that was the advice that Robin shared with me that she wanted me to share with you. And I believe that there's probably someone out here in the audience that, 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 that you resonate with that. You probably are thinking, there's somebody that I could, I could go and, and meet with, but how do I do that? They're such a busy person. If you don't have a Paul-like mentorship in your life, please pray for that. Please look at the, at the sphere of influence. Think of your workplace. Think of, think of your MC. Think of this body of believers here. Are there people here that could pour into you? Pray that in. And the God of heaven, who is always faithful, will give. He wants you to have someone pouring into you. Be targeted and intentional about that, about the things you want to learn as well. They could be general kind of mentors like Gary and Carol were to us, or they could be uh, more topical like Amy was to Robin. Be vulnerable. Invite this person into your life. Invite them, uh, and you invite yourself into theirs as well. So pursue a Paul-like mentorship. Secondly, be like a Barnabas. Be like a Barnabas. Uh, Dave Ramsey, author of The Total Money Makeover, I'm not going to turn this into a financial workshop. Don't, don't worry. But Dave Ramsey said this about his Barnabas-like friendships. One of the best decisions that, that I've ever made is to surround myself with an incredible group of Barnabas friends. Every Wednesday morning for the past 14 years, unless I'm out of town, I sit at a conference room table at 7 a.m. with 12 of my closest friends. We call it our Eagles group and spend about 90 minutes investing in one another. We talk about our struggles together. We study scripture together. We read books together. Basically, we've done life together for more than a decade. I'll be honest, I get a lot of criticism and crazy hate mail, but most of it doesn't faze me. These people really don't know me at all. But if a member of the Eagles group, of my Eagles group, calls me out on something, I take it very seriously. Their words carry almost as much weight as my wife's words. Why? Because they've invested in me and they've earned the right to speak in to my life. This is what a, a Barnabas kind of a relationship is. So why do we, why do we use the word Barnabas? Why, did, why, why, why does Dave Ramsey use Barnabas? First of all, who is Barnabas in Scripture? Barnabas uh, arrives in the scene in, uh, in Acts. And uh, he, he's a guy who is a, is a comforter. And in fact, he, he, his name stands for, means, son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. Now, let's talk about the person we talked about first of all, which was Paul. Paul's name was, used to be Saul. He became a Christian, and his name now was Paul. And he needed help. He needed help because Paul wanted to go and meet with the disciples. Now, imagine yourself, you're a disciple. You're sitting there at the Jerusalem council. And you hear about this guy who has this terrible brand of killing Christians. And supposedly, he's now a Christian himself. Yeah, right. He knocks at the door, and he's ready to come meet with you. The disciples were a little weary. Paul needed somebody to vouch for him. In walks Barnabas. Now, Barnabas had been walking with Paul for a number of years, probably discipling him, 
probably mentoring him, probably giving him the truth of scriptures. And you can read about that in the book of Acts, but we know this, that Barnabas vouched for Paul. And, it, and if it weren't for Barnabas, Paul would not have met the disciples in the way he did. Paul might not have had the missionary journeys that he had, the four or five that he had that are, that are written in Scripture. This is, who Paul, this is who Barnabas was. He stood beside Paul, defended him when he was most weak. He walked beside him through thick and through thin. Well, how can we be an effective Barnabas? So think of you as a friend. As a friend. You, our call is for you to be an invested friend. This is the most trusted kind of a friend. So be discerning, number one. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. We know this, that Barnabas uh, did walk with the wise. It's it said in, in, in ancient Jewish literature that Barnabas's brother might have been one of the 70 that Jesus sent out. And so Barnabas himself might have even crossed paths with Christ himself. He walked with the wise. He was discerning. This is who Barnabas was. Uh, he was also trustworthy. Proverbs 16, 28 says this, a dishonest man st- spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. This is quite the opposite of who Barnabas was. He was very trustworthy. Trustworthy to the point that Paul was willing to give his life to Barnabas to vouch for him. That's who Barnabas was. He was also radically loyal, being willing to stand up for his friends. Proverbs 19, 22, what is desired in a man is steadfast love and a poor man is better than a liar. What is desired in a man is steadfast love. This is who Barnabas was to his brother Paul and to so many others in Scripture. He was also an encourager, which is what his name means. Proverbs 18.24, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We need to be there through the thick and through the thin. This is who Barnabas was, and this is who we are also called to be, is to be that companion, to be that invested friend. So how is being a Barnabas a little different than most friendships? First of all, it's intentional. Iron sharpening iron. There's a formalization to this type of friendship where expectations are discussed. There's often a a system of accountability where you're meeting on a regular basis. This friendship is marked by rich times of prayer. Both friends walk away from the time saying, I'm now sharper. I now feel better. I now feel ready to go off and live on mission as Christ has called me to. It's a mutual relationship. It's also relational. It's not just meeting in those scheduled times, but it's also doing life together. And the best Barnabas relationships that I know of are that. At Soma, we, we look at those relationships and, and we think of discipleship times. We, we think of, of, of MCs. We think, think, think of the friendships that you have within this, this, this body of believers. Those could be your Barnabas kind of relationships. But how can you sharpen that? How can you make that even more effective for the, for the gospel? We can go to the next slide with the, uh, the next picture here. The guy on the far left is, is, uh, is my Barnabas and has been for years. Now, to make things a little confusing, his, his name happens to be Paul. So sorry for the confusion on that, but in this case, Paul is serving as our Barnabas. Now, now why? why? Why has he been that invested friend? First of all, I'm not sure why, but he has been that. We, we have a lot of things in common, Paul and I do. 
Uh, first of all, he, we're both dads. He has five kids. I have five kids. We can, uh, we can have a basketball game, just our two families. We've both been missionaries. Uh, they served in Spain. We served in Mexico. Our kids both love music as well as sports. Um, but more importantly than that, Paul, if he's really that invested friend, there's probably some other attributes that he has, and I want to share those with you. He's trustworthy. I can trust my heart with him. He knows my deepest secrets and my sin. And he knows what to ask me and when to ask me. I trust him. He's, he's a prayerful, prayerful warrior. There are times when uh, I'll get a text on my phone. And uh, it's a text from Paul. And he's praying. He's praying to God. So that text message actually isn't to me. It's, like, it's, it's as if I'm CC'd and on the message. And Paul's sending this, this prayer to God, naming my name, my family, my situation, the things that, that I'm worried about, my own sin. And, and, and as I watch this conversation between Paul and God, I get to see, wow, you really are a Barnabas-like friend. He's taught me about fatherhood. He's taught me about friendship, missional living. The list goes on and on. I could write a, a book about Paul. Maybe one day I will. We started ministries together uh, based on common passions. And a few uh, years ago, though, Paul, uh, unfortunately for me, moved away. And he, he was called to be a missionary with Family Life in Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, so he's nine hours away. And, uh, and I know this, though, that if push came to shove, if I ever had an issue where I needed someone, he'd get in his car and drive here immediately. That's the kind of Barnabas-like relationship that I have with this guy. And in the end, uh, more than anything, I, I just wanted to honor him in this time. When I thought about friendship, he was the first person I thought of. And there are many places where I could have put him in the sermon, but he, uh, because he's been a Paul to so many other people, but he's been my Barnabas. He's been there for me. At the end of the day, when I have a question about a relationship, and I feel like I'm not going down the right path as a, as a friend, I, I simply ask myself, what would Paul do in this instance? And I typically uh, am not steered too incorrectly with that advice that I feel like the Holy Spirit has given me. So be a Barnabas. Thirdly and finally, train a Timothy. First of all, who's Timothy? We, we've learned about Paul, Barnabas, and now Timothy. Timothy was, uh, is recorded uh, in, in the New Testament uh, on one of Paul's uh, first missionary journeys. We see that uh, Paul is, uh, is, is, just like the apostles, healing people. And he healed someone uh, in, uh, in, in modern-day Turkey, in Asia Minor. And uh, we know that from that, that uh, there are these two women, Lois and Eunice, they came to Christ because of that and through that. And, and they, were, they were Jewish, um, and they started pouring in to this young man named Timothy, who was their, who was their son and grandson. He, was a, he, was, he had a teachable spirit. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. We know this, the opposite of that is a teachable spirit. Timothy was that teachable spirit. And that first missionary journey is where Timothy, he was probably a teenager at this point, many scholars believe, and he got to know who Paul was. 
In his second missionary journey, Paul goes back to that same area, and Timothy is probably at the age of 33. And it's during that time that, that Timothy is willing to actually go out uh, in, in, in a boat with Paul and actually go and go through uh, the, with Paul on his missionary journeys. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understandings. And always acknowledge him and he shall make your path straight. This is actually Madeline's life verse. Now, I don't know what Timothy's life verse was, but I'm sure that this was uh, on his heart as he boarded that boat and wondered if he was ever going to see his mom and grandmother again. He later would return and become a pastor of Ephesus in that same area. But this is who, who Timothy was. Timothy was that mentee. He was the person that needed to be advised, the person that needed to be uh, 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 poured into. You can read First and Second Timothy, and Paul was constantly pouring into him. Our, our exhortation to you is to train that Timothy. So why should we train a Timothy? Why should I really care? I mean, life is really not that bad for me right now. Why should I go out on a limb and train other Timothys? First of all, we're called to. In Proverbs 11, and if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to open this because this is really what I'd like for you uh, to walk away from, knowing that we are to give, knowing that we serve a God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills, that we cannot outgive God ever. Proverbs 11:24 says this, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what, what he should give and only suffers want. Notice that this doesn't necessarily mean monetary, monetary funds that we're giving. It could be time, treasure, talent, or giving advice and counsel and mentoring to somebody else who needs it. You can't be outgiven by God. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. By who? It's a rhetorical question, isn't it? By God himself. The times that I've trained other Timothys where I had no idea what I was going to say because of the situation, God showed up. God showed up, and, I'm, and there, there were several times where I'm not sure why or how I even said the words I said, but God worked in and through me. Verse 26, the people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing on the head of him who sells it. And the grain here makes bread, bread, the bread of life. We are to train Timothy's using, using Scripture. And finally, the Great Commission. You can turn there if you'd like, but Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is the Great Commission. The Great Commission that says that we are to go into all the world and to bring nations to him baptizing them and making disciples. Many of us think about that and we think, oh, that's, that's, that's how we evangelize. That's, the, the, that, that's the, the, uh, the way that we evangelize Scripture. And that's the, that's the great commission to do just that. But it also talks in there about making disciples. And the way we make disciples is, is synonymous with training Timothy. And the last I uh, checked my Bible uh, where it says the title of that little piece, this, is, this was uh, put in there by some guy in the 1500s, it wasn't actually in Scripture. Mine says the Great Commission. It doesn't say the Great Suggestion. We are called to go out and make disciples and to train Timothys. So a little bit about how to train Timothys. Um, perhaps, and this is, this is Robin speaking, my wife, as we wrote this sermon together, perhaps the best advice I was given years ago regarding training a Timothy uh, is that the most powerful pulpit is the kitchen table. What does that mean? That means you, when you train Timothy's, that you're inviting people into your world. 
If you need to cut vegetables and, that, and, and, and prepare a meal for your family or yourself, and, and you don't have time to go train other Timothys, put those two together. Bring them into your life. Bring them into the mundane. We have a, a gal named Casey who has really taken, uh, in our MC, who's really taken Robin up on this offer. She said, look, I, I, I have five kids. Uh, last year we had a foreign exchange student. Uh, we're involved in ministry. We homeschool. We are very, very busy people. And it would be very easy to say, you know what? I just don't have time to train a Timothy. But that's not what my wife has decided. That's not what we have decided. We bring people into that mess, the messiness of life. And through that, through the mundane, as Deuteronomy 6 says, as we walk down the road, train them about me. Tell them about me. That's not just our kids. Those are other Timothys in in this world. We are careful to be sure that we have clear objectives in our minds about the time we are spending with those that we're pouring into. We have to be intentional. We also allow space for the natural development of that friendship. Some training, uh, some, some Timothy training stories. Uh, I'm not sure if we could go to the next slide or not. We have, I think we have some pictures here. You can see here um, Madeline in the background. Um, Madeline is, is uh, uh, 17 years old, but when she was about 13, she decided to start this thing called Bright Lights. And, uh, and, and that's based on Scripture out of a, out of a, out of a verse in Philippians where, where we are to be bright shining lights pouring out uh, the, the truth of God. And so all these other girls are about f- uh, three to four to five years younger than Maddie. And so uh, about every other month, uh, sometimes every month during the school year, she, min- she meets with these, these girls and pouring into them. She's training, and she, she's actually uh, been, been a motivation for me. If we go to the next slide, uh, we have, um, these are some people in our MC. Our uh, MC has done an amazing job of just picking up our kids and, and, and going through and, and living life with them. Um, last week, our, or a couple of weeks ago, our friend Greg uh, in our MC uh, took my son Josh and, and, and showed him Purdue University and poured into him, mentoring him and another friend. When our son Ethan turned 13 years old, uh, uh, about 15 guys from our MC showed up uh, with letters to a 13-year-old and with verses on it uh, to encourage him in that note as he sets out as, as, a, as, a, as a growing young man. Uh, our women in our MC are, are regularly picking up our girls. Uh, we can see uh, Amelia over here uh, on, on, in those two pictures. Uh, this, was, this was actually the night before we did the, the, the first sermon last, last week. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I, I think there was a dare of whether or not we were actually gonna, going to put these two uh, pictures in uh, in the slide set. Uh, over here on the left, we have um, a, a guy named Neelan, who is my son's uh, hero. Unfortunately, they're wearing the wrong color there. We're a Purdue family. I'm not sure what this guy's doing, but uh, they're, they're, he's a Michigan fan, and Mason uh, idolizes who Neelan is. And, and Neelan, just a couple weeks ago, uh, picked Mason up and took him out to dinner, went to the movies. Our MC is pouring into our kids left and right. When we first got an MC, we're able to, uh, we were blessed with, with being tapped to, to start an MC. We thought, oh, we're going to uh, pour into all these young couples. Uh, and it didn't work that way at all. We, we started with one couple, and they were just engaged at that point. Now they're married, and we're, 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 we're slowly growing in that area. But we're filled with, with people with the median age of 24, and many of them are not married. In fact, 90% of them are not. That's not what we thought we would have as an MC. The cool thing is this, we're still able to be that Paul to them. 
They're pursuing a Paul. We're able to be a Barnabas with them. And we're able to allow them to train Timothys. So in the end, my exhortation to you, and this just a question, is have you pursued a Paul? If not, why not? If not, why not start now? Are you, the, are you the Barnabas that God is calling you to be? Are you that invested friend? Are you that person that is trustworthy? Are you that kind of a person where, where, the, where, where someone in, in a pinch is going to call you first, whether it's in celebration or in crisis? And finally, are you training a Timothy? We're not called just to be uh, on the sidelines in this, in, in, in this Christian faith. We're called to give. So let's pray and let's ask God to, to move in our hearts as we think about these three kinds of friends. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have um, given us the opportunity to um, live in your community, to live in your body, to uh, pursue Paul's, to be like a Barnabas, and to train Timothy's. Thank you for the awesome opportunity and privilege we have in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Christian.